0: What's up, everybody? Welcome in to your favorite youth ministry podcast, How Not to Be a Youth Pastor. Kyle and Derek back for another episode. Derek, how are we doing today? We are doing
1: fantastic. I have some drainage in my sinuses, which is kind of... You know in the episode of Friends where Phoebe has her sexy voice?
0: Yeah, is that how you're feeling today? No, I really wish I
1: got that effect, but mine just (laughs) sounds nasally and disgusting and gross, so... You're welcome if I give if I give you a sickness and you get to call in sick f- for a day.
0: you're welcome. I love it. We're off to a good start. Yeah. Uh, Derek, quick question of the day. How's your bracket doing for March Madness after the first weekend? You know, I'm not feeling super
1: great about it. I was after like the first day. I was feeling really good. I was like in the third place of the group of people I'm in. And uh, I had Baylor going to the final and Whoops. winning it all. And they lost and it's not ideal. So... My bracket is officially busted in many, many places. I'm in the 53rd percentile currently. Uh, yeah, I, I have a
0: lot of problems, but yours on the men's and so, the women's side. Is so much here's better. the deal uh, I, I never know what to say when people ask me, hey, how's your bracket doing? Because listen, ESPN's got like a $1 million prize if you fill out a perfect bracket. Yep. And I don't know what your odds are. If like you fill out a bracket, what the odds are of it being perfect? It's not great, obviously, because nobody's ever done it. One but, person I thought I feel like has done it. Really? I think so. You you, you, keep, I, you I, There's no up. way. Uh, but I do know that your odds are ten times more likely to get a perfect bracket if you fill out ten brackets instead of just one. This is true. And so I always fill out like eight or ten brackets, and all of them suck. All right. Like, let's be very clear. None of mine are doing any good. Uh, I do have a bracket on the women's side. Uh, For some reason, my family decided to do a group challenge of of the women's NCAA bracket. I don't know why we chose the women's one, but we're doing it. And uh, I am ranked 606th out of however many people like in the nation. So I'm feeling pretty good. About uh, about that bracket, uh, pulling for UConn uh, on the women's side. So, we'll see how it goes. We have never had a perfect bracket to
1: your to your point, but there was a guy from Columbus in 2019 that predicted the first 49 games of the tournament correct.
0: That's pretty impressive. That's
1: yeah, that's pretty good. But after that, he he lost one. I feel like a million dollars for a perfect bracket's not enough right now. Like I, I feel like maybe, it, maybe just because of the current state of our world, but I feel like for such a feat, a million bucks seems too small.
0: Yeah, like should should that number be going up with inflation? You, is would, that what think,
1: you're saying? you would think, <laughs> but at the same time, you're all you're doing is filling it out. Which you would know.
0: you rather have: a million dollars or free gas for a year? Free gas for a year. <laughs> I, I do the, I should do like. the
1: math though. I don't I don't I feel like I don't drive enough for that to happen.
0: Oh, uh, let's be very clear. Nobody's spending a million dollars on gas in maybe their lifetime, let alone a year, but it's it's, it's hilarious. It, it's yeah. hilarious. Oh no. Uh anyways, yeah, as I hope that uh, all your brackets out there if you're listening to this during March Madness, I hope your brackets are doing a lot better than ours. That's for sure. And if you're not doing March Madness, I hope your brackets doing really well too. Well, it hasn't been busted. Maybe they've true. maybe they figured out that if they if you don't fill out a March Madness bracket, you don't experience the disappointment. They're still in the running for it then, for a perfect bracket. Yeah, and the million dollars. If you fill it out retroactively, I feel like that doesn't count. Well, there seems to be an unfair advantage there. It's debatable. But, we'll have to talk to the committee about it. What. Committee like the at ESPN, like the people that
1: whichever, give out the whichever million dollars. committee
0: is, is policing Calvin Ridley, we'll talk to that committee. Oh, because, too
1: soon, dude. Poor guy,
0: too soon. Poor All guy. right, so enough about our sporting interests. Uh, ministry, ministry, you want to talk about some youth ministry? We you probably should. It is the title of our podcast, it
1: is why we are here today. Other than the fact that we're sharing some delicious donuts,
0: but we probably should talk about ministry related. Donuts and ministry. Yeah, that's true. So today we are going to talk about uh, something that our students hate us talking about. Yep. But we love to talk about it for being honest.
1: Well, I shouldn't say we love it. There's, there's a little bit of enjoyment about talking about it, I would say.
0: Okay. But part of, honestly, there are different things with youth ministry. And, and I feel like, you know, any parent can relate to this as well. Like if I have an opportunity to embarrass a kid or make yeah. them squirm a little bit. Like yep. I find enjoyment in that. Like, Certainly. Oh, you're uncomfortable. Let's lean into this. Yes. And especially s- you, that's your personality. A hundred percent. Yeah. And do you want to know what one of those topics is? Sex. sex. <laughs> we did not plan that. No, we did. Uh, I. <laughs> it's, it's just our chemistry just flowing. Obviously. Um, we're going to talk about sex today because youth ministry and and we really should have had a uh, good friend of the show, Derek's wife, on, the, on this Good friend episode. of the show, great friend of the show. I hope. Uh, yeah, um, she, she, we listen
1: to it sometimes. She listens. She actually listens to it a fair amount, which more than a fair amount. She listens to it a pretty good amount, which I'm I'm kind of surprised by. She must like honored, me. maybe. Yeah, honor would probably be a good good word. She's she's a good friend of the show.
0: Good friend of mine as well. I sure hope so uh but she has she did a senior project yeah uh in college uh kind of on you know how youth ministry talks about sex the and, church in general and the church in general yeah. and and so one of her findings if if I can be so bold as to sum up her entire senior project in like three words um we suck at it yep, <laughs> yep. So that's
1: very very <laughs> astute
0: <laughs> and so Derek and I are here today to uh, maybe set a few records straight. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, you know, maybe course correct some of this conversation so that uh, whether you are a parent or a youth pastor listening to this, uh, hopefully, we can begin to ask the right questions and have the right conversations uh, when it comes to how the church and how youth ministry specifically uh, talk about sex.
1: Yeah, and it's, I always say it's one of the things students don't want you to talk about, but you need to talk about. Because they're going to hear about it and learn about it one way or another. We get to choose if it's going to be in a medium, in a safe place where it's going to be constructive and helpful. Because the world has a different idea of what sex should look like for men and women. But I would much rather a helpful, instructive, constructive perspective from a youth pastor would set them up for success much better than learning about it from culture or from media or whatever it is. And so I think a lot of pastors or youth pastors specifically, this can be an intimidating topic because it feels like you're talking, it is awkward to talk about. It is awkward to talk about in front of your students who are visibly and emotionally just like uncomfortable when we're talking about it. But that's good. It's important to kind of push through that awkwardness so we can keep coaching our students. And I think there's a big, there's a big reason why it can be difficult to talk about. Obviously it's a sensitive topic. It's a topic that you're talking to a bunch of people who are not married. You know, there is, there's so much. You to, would think. You would, th- <laughs> you just never know, I guess in this day and age, but the diversity in our students, even within our ministries, is so, so immense. I mean, when you think about the fact that purely based on age, you have a group or a room full of students ranging from 6th or 7th grade through 12th. The diversity in that alone is immense because you might have some 6th graders and 7th graders who their parents never had the, the, the birds and the bees talk with them, period, yet. And then you have the 12th graders who... They had the talk and they're experimenting within that talk frequently. Like that diversity is very, very difficult to, to manage just because if you just talk to the sixth and seventh graders and don't even address this topic, then you're not being able to coach those twelfth graders. But at the same time, if you just dive into these super intense topics with the, like knowing your 12th graders understand, your sixth and seventh graders are going, what the heck is going on? and that diversity among students is just really really tough.
0: Right, absolutely. And there's terminology uh you know struggles too. You have to figure out where where's the line of of what terminology I should say and what I shouldn't say. Uh you know you don't you don't want to shy away from you know words like sex or porn or we I mean we raise money for missionaries that are Uh, helping to fight human trafficking. And, you know, occasionally I will refer to it as sex trafficking from the stage and, you know, being willing to, uh, you know, use some of that vocabulary, but at the same time, you don't want to be vulgar or grotesque or, you know, something like that as well.
1: It was really interesting
0: to me. Again,
1: Meg did a senior project. My wife did a senior project on this, but in her field of work, she also has to do various trainings in regards to sexual conduct, or more specifically, sexual misconduct. And uh, she she saw an article. I think it was on a, on her personal Instagram or something, but it was very very interesting about how parents a lot of times will even you know give the anatomical body parts yep. like names. Like I mean, we heard we hear private parts or some things, but. What was really interesting, this article is all about call the anatomy what it is. Don't shy away from the actual word. Because there's a there's a a situation that happened where there was this elementary student who was being sexually abused by her uncle. And um, you know, like this is gonna be really get really intense for a second, but um this elementary student kept coming to school saying like you know, my uncle licked my cookie. And like, you know, the teacher at first was like, okay. you like didn't didn't think anything of it when, you know, in reality, her uncle had, or her parents had told her, or I can't remember exactly how it was, but that was a nickname for her anatomy parts. And they had no idea that it was, you know, a huge deal. And then, you know, nine months later, they finally got to the bottom of this and go, oh my word. And the whole thing grew up or blew up. And, you know, so- obviously a a much different context, but at the same time, you know, like we need to push through that awkwardness and call the anatomy parts what they are. Because if we don't, then we're not setting our students up to be informed. We're not setting them up for success if we just kind of dance around that issue.
0: Yeah. And, and you can't, communication with parents is always key in youth ministry. And this is, you know, maybe one of those topics that, requires and invites a little bit extra communication. Yep. Uh, you know, sometimes if, if you know that a, a Wednesday night's coming up where you're going to, you know, dive into some of this stuff, uh, you know, sending an email out to parents and just kind of letting them know, "Hey, this is uh, this is coming up. This is what we're going to be talking about." And parents can choose to, you know, they, maybe if if they have a younger kid that they just feel isn't quite ready for that yet, uh, you know, they could just make the decision, "Hey, maybe let's not go to youth this Wednesday." Uh, you could also make the like, "Hey, parents," you know, encourage them to have a conversation both on the front end and on the yeah. back end of that of that night where they can uh, instigate that conversation with their student. Uh, you know, cause I think Derek and I would both agree that that's a better place for the conversation to be happening anyway. Yep. Uh, but unfortunately that's not the culture that we're in. Like there are, there are a lot of things that as youth pastors, parents kind of try to, you know, just push off on us. Like, yep. Hey, you guys, uh, you guys talk about this with my kid. Cause I don't want to. Um, and that's, uh, unfortunate and and awkward, but uh, parents don't feel comfortable talking about this either, and so it's hard to uh, it's it's hard to find some, the balance sometimes in in some of these things. Finding the balance uh, if you have all the way from sixth grade to twelfth grade in the same room, uh, finding the vocabulary sweet spot uh, and trying to figure that out. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, like we've said. It's a necessary struggle, yeah. Uh, because it's it's got to be something that we are willing to address. Because if i mean, either whether or not we choose to address it, culture is going to address it. And so, if we can encourage students with with truth and with some reasonable sensibility, yeah, then uh, they're going to be able to take a little bit more of a rational approach uh, in a conversation with their friends and not just immediately jumping into, right. you know, whatever their friend says is right. Right. And, and we're
1: going to talk about, as the episode goes along, some different ways you as a youth pastor, you as a parent even, can address this in a good, healthy, productive way. Um, but I think much like almost every other youth ministry context, there is no one correct way to do things. And so you're going to have to kind of feel this out a little bit of, you know, maybe it is a sermon series with everybody. Maybe it is a um, a special focus for your senior high students. Maybe you separate into guys and girls. Maybe there are so many different ways you can do this. But I think even as we just go into this episode, you have to be willing to go through some trial and error. And you have to be willing to go through like students not being super happy with you they're not gonna love that we're talking about this they're gonna make it evident like i recently had a i didn't even dive into this aspect of love and relationships but we did love and relationships talk and afterwards it just so happened that i was kind of taking an intake survey of what students have been liking what they haven't been liking and like everybody was like don't talk about love it's awkward and i'm like noted we're gonna talk about it more because it, it needs to be talked about as kyle was saying like it's it needs to be addressed. And, you know, I think we're a big a big part or a big reason why the church struggles with this. A big reason why uh, the sex education within the church, within Christianity even, is such a big problem is with this thing called purity culture. Uh, there, I'd be curious if there's an actual definition. I, I don't know if there would be, but it's— uh,
0: I can— probably speak a little bit to that. Uh there's not there's there's a there's not a definition of purity culture, but I think that most people would trace purity culture back to uh and not to just pile on the guy, but Joshua Harris's book I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Yep. Uh most people in church circles, would point to that book as one of the you know real big sparks for yeah. purity culture.
1: Yeah, and as we're going to discuss here, maybe not a good spark, maybe not a a great thing that happened. Uh, it was the leading book. I feel like I feel like everybody, my 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 research analyst back there. I'm sure we'll look up when this was written and and all this other good stuff. And here, there he goes. But this was a book that was floating around church cultures and, and church worlds for a while. And I feel like it was the book that everybody read. And, you know, it, it caused some problems. Like it really creates some problems because this whole idea of purity culture is that it's that the Bible basically says that, you know, we are to be pure and we are to be wholly committed to God in all ways, but specifically sexually in this arena. And in this case, and When we say purity, it's not just like a refrain from premarital sex. When when they talk about purity, it's uh, no premarital sex. Uh, Keep yourself from pornography. Keep yourself from lust. Keep yourself from thinking about other people in that way, which all can be traced back to the Bible. And so I'm not saying any of that's wrong. It's all anchored in the scripture. But this whole idea of purity culture attaches shame and condemnation to those very things.
0: Right. It's not that what you're seeking is bad. It's how you're, how you're treating anybody that falls short, which is ironic because don't we all? Right. Uh, For the record, uh, 1997 was when uh, Joshua Harris's book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye was written. Um, I, and also, you know, semi-ironically, this was a book that sparked a really big culture within Christian circles. Joshua Harris is also no longer a Christian, you know, 30 years after writing, 25 years after writing that book. And so, uh, it's, it's been really damaging, I think to, to see the, the wake that purity culture has left behind it. Um, you know, looking at, and, and like Derek said, yes, there's, there's solid truth in seeking after purity, uh, in, in both our you know sexual lives and just everything like God is pure and we are yeah. called to strive to be more and more like him. Yep. Uh but what purity culture kind of did was it took anything about sex and framed it as negative. Yep. Negative 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 sex is bad, everything about sex is bad. Uh you know women should probably only wear baggy jeans and sweatshirts. Yep. Uh <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get married and now sex is awesome. Yep. And and it's this it expects you to f- just flip a switch. Yep. When you've been told for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years right. that this thing is bad and then all of a sudden overnight you flip the switch and now it's good. Yep. Uh that's not easy. No.
1: No, and it, it it's it's interesting how how anchored this idea of purity culture can really get what's the word I'm looking for, extrapolated. Like I was talking to our kids pastor here this last week and she went to a Christian school and the girls were not allowed to participate in sports because when they ran and did things physically, their body parts moved and it would cause some of the boys to stumble. And and so, you know, you think about that and just think about, one lawsuit in today's day and age, like that would, you know, with Title IX and everything else that's going on, that would be a problem. But you, you think about, you know, and I'm gonna kind of jump off on a rabbit rabbit trail here because that's what we do here. You know, it's, that is true. It's not just a purity culture thing, I, where it's just everybody is equally this way. It almost kind of picks on women a little bit as. If, if they don't, you know, take care of themselves and it causes men to stumble, it's their fault and not the man's, which is a problem.
0: Right. Uh, two things here. First of all, super dumb story, but- I like uh, dumb stories. I know. That's kind of what this podcast is about. Naturally. So I've got a former youth student that is currently in college. Uh, he'll be wrapping up school this spring, uh, you know, studying to be, to go into ministry. and he- <laughs> Uh, I was going to send him this podcast episode and now I can't because you just <laughs> called him a poor soul. Uh, but he, what he did was, so he, he is currently engaged. Uh, his fiance goes to a different school. They're both, she is also at a Christian school. It's sure. just not the same one that he's at. Yep. Um, and she, so they were, they weren't engaged obviously when they started going to college and when she was applying to get into college, she actually received a full ride scholarship from the school, uh, which is awesome. Yep. Um, one of the stipulations on this full ride scholarship was that she could not get married while she was in school. Interesting. Because the school viewed it as a distraction. Nice. And she also obviously was also not allowed to live off campus. Uh, you know, because they had to make sure that like, they didn't secretly get married and then she was living off campus and just didn't tell the school. Uh, and so, and I, when I first heard that, and so they're like, this couple is basically just engaged for like a year and a half because they have to wait for her to graduate. Wow. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's interesting. Yeah. That's for sure. But, uh, yeah. I th- I think we can uh, agree and we could probably talk for a long time about how, uh, there are a lot of really stupid rules out there. Yep. Um, but I, we just had our high school Bible study, you know, this past Sunday night and we were talking through, uh, first Timothy chapter two, which there's a lot of really controversial stuff in first sure. Timothy chapter two. But, uh, one of the things it talks about is, is it refers to women should dress modestly. Mm, yep. And, uh, we were talking about like, you know, that gives you the image, like I said, that women should just wear baggy pants and yep. and a sweatshirt and maybe a burlap sack. <laughs> and that's just probably the way that it should go. But at the same time, you know, you know, that that seems to indicate that if if a woman dresses immodestly, causes a man to stumble, yep. it's her fault. Sure. And that's what purity culture Runs with. Runs with, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, it doesn't walk with it. It runs with yeah. it. uh it Usain bolts with it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but one of the problems with that is Jesus literally said like, hey guys, if your eyes cause you to sin, gouge them out. yeah Well, that's certainly not placing any of the blame nope. on the woman that you're lusting after. That places right. 100% of the blame on you and yep. just gouge your eyes out and solve the problem. Yep. Yeah, it, it's... It's a big
1: problem. It is. It is crazy how, uh, and, and and we could we could seriously get into the weeds here with how women and and men are are handled differently in this arena, and it's it's just not fair. I, it's not biblical, and unfortunately, it happens within the church world. And you know, we could pick on them all day long, but you know, I think the the, the core the core of the issue is that we as human beings are created with this, this sexual nature. And it's one thing scripture does not shy away from is, is talking about it. You know, you, you talk about um, like songs of Solomon we mentioned is not a yeah. we're about to do a series with that with our youth. Yeah, we are. are. (laughs) You you know, it's like when you actually look at like what that book is trying to accomplish, it's really not about sex at all. It's more so about the love that God has for his people and his church um, but what does he use as a, as a metaphor, if you will, like it's sex. And, and, and so like we as human beings are created with these sexual desires, which are inherently good things, but they also, I think the reason why the Bible talks about being careful with it is because it gets really messy really fast. And so again, in the church world that like, gets twisted, and we just say sex is bad sex is bad sex is bad without sharing the why like why why do we think God's yeah. word says this why is it important to save yourself from marriage why is it important to not do all these things and that is where the church just struggles and so you kind of alluded to it earlier but meg my wife uh she grew up in a purity culture mindset you know she she grew up in the bible belt and it was very much a you know, if you, if you mess up sexually, like, like you're done for, like, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna beat it out if you, not literally, but like, it's, it's aggressive, you know, it is very, very aggressive. And, you know, she, we got married, you know, the year before her senior project. And so there were things now that we're married and now that we can engage in sex, there were things she was still struggling with from her past that, that were coming up even now, being married. So she kind of dove into this. And one of the staggering things that she's, that stuck out to both of us was she interviewed a bunch of different people that were currently married and asked them a bunch of questions. But one of the questions was, do you still feel shame when it comes to having sex? And the number of people that answered yes was alarming. Like so many people still struggle with feelings of guilt or shame. Like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. I feel like we shouldn't have done that because Let's be honest. The Bible isn't super, super descriptive of what's "quote unquote" right or wrong, and so you know you kind of got to start figuring out what does the Bible say is right or wrong in this arena. And it was it was just very, very interesting. But you know it, what what just we we kind of address what we talked about is we need to do a better job as a church of debunking purity culture and just getting back to what the Word says and explaining why the word says this and why if you mess up this is some of the hurdles you're going to have to overcome but at the same time something we can probably talk about for a little bit here is we pedestalize sexual sin you know like mm-hmm. it, it if you're an alcoholic or you know if you um beat your spouse or if you beat your kids that's bad stuff but you know, if you're gay, if you have premarital sex, if you watch pornography, it's almost like these sins now are bigger than all the ones I just mentioned.
0: So I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree with a caveat on one of those. Um, yes, I would. I agree with everything you said within the context of youth ministry. Yes. All right. Let's let's start there, but one of the things that i have noticed as as we shift a focus to just churches as a whole sure yep i would actually argue that premarital sex has become a like almost almost a minor sin oh sure because yeah. there are i mean there are people like there are churches that don't even bother to Explore like, hey, I have this volunteer that's on our worship team that is definitely living with his girlfriend. Yep, and nobody cares. Yep, you know why is it that nobody cares? And yet, if you had somebody on your adult worship team that is gay, you the you know, throw you light them on fire and throw them out of the church. Sure. Like it's, I I agree. Like I think that within a youth ministry context, I I do think that you know all of these sins premarital sex included is just absolutely shamed far worse than anything yeah. else you could possibly yep do against god but for some reason once you graduate from youth ministry premarital sex all of a sudden becomes okay yeah right and and have you have you seen that at all yeah absolutely like a, a ton and i think <sighs>
1: There, there's all, so I think now we're getting to the stage of justification, right? In, right. In, in a world where, well, the Bible isn't, the Bible was written 2000 some years ago. And so like, it's, it's a different world right now and all the rest of this stuff. And you know, it's you, you I, I want to hear your thoughts because you, you, you just, <laughs> Derek, lit and I, up.
0: Derek and I have, uh, we're what, like this is episode like 33 or something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. Um, we could like pull up Spotify and look, but that's just, we're too lazy for that. Fast. Uh, We've gotten to the point where like we have plenty of nonverbal communication that we do. Uh, we, we would have to change all this if we ever started video recording ourselves. Yep. Uh, but it's an audio podcast cause you and I have, vo- have, uh, faces for radio. We do, so, we do, we're both uh, ugly. We- <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far. No. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but. We, we have all sorts of nonverbal communication. And so whenever we're like, Hey, I have something to say, but you can wrap up what you're saying. Just don't move off this topic. We have a signal for that. I would have wrapped it up sooner, but you were like, I I got got, really excited. Uh, Uh, no, but talking about, you know, the, the Bible doesn't, you're right. The Bible doesn't like lay out a map for here's exactly what is, what is right. And what is wrong in these different contexts. Yep. And students have some of those questions. Yep. But at the same time, students sometimes have too many of those questions yep. and it takes a little bit of discernment on the part of the youth pastor, on the part of the parent. But one of the things that I like to do is I will draw a circle on a piece of paper or on a board or whatever. Uh, I guess in theory you could do a square or a star, or whatever shape your heart desires. rhombus. Um, we'll, we'll go with a square. Why not? Okay. Uh, so you got a square and then you put a little dot in the middle. All right. And, and what I tell students is that dot in the middle is, is God. All right. That is God's plan. That is that, er, that is God. That is Jesus. That's, that's him. Sure. Uh, the, the square in our case, uh, everything inside the square is God's will. Yep. All right. Everything inside the square, uh, that's what God has designed for you. That is what God that, yep. That's what God loves. Uh, that is his will for your life. Yep. And so many of our students, it's, it's okay to ask where the line is mm-hmm. sometimes. Yep. That's not a bad thing. Yep. But when you get so fixated on trying to find the line uh-huh. of the square, uh-huh. what I, what I show them is it doesn't matter where you're standing in the square. If you're so fixated on trying to find the line, your back is to God in yep. the middle of the square. Yep. And I think that parents and youth pastors and youth leaders just use a little bit of discernment. Yep. In something like it is okay for students to ask and we I always encourage my kids, my students to ask questions. Yep. But at the same time, sometimes it's better to encourage the kids like, "Hey, you know, this is the 12th time you've asked me if you and your girlfriend should be holding hands yep. or if that's something you should save until marriage. Yep. Uh, and I'm I'm, a, I'm shooting really low here yeah. uh, <laughs> intentionally. But if, if you just cannot get over, like, just look at God mm-hmm. and, and yep. let some of the other stuff fall into place. Yep. Like, yeah, there's a line somewhere of like, yeah, you guys probably shouldn't do that before you're married. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, if all you're doing is trying to find the line, your focus is definitely in the wrong and that's place. With, that's with everything, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. just, I, how drinking, how, how, how many drinks can I have before it's, it's considered sinful? Considered sinful? It, 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 like, like <laughs> how, many, really thought how, about how, that how many before? swear words
1: should I are in a song? Ooh, good you know, question. Like, like all these, it, it, it's exactly it. it, it it's I love I love that analogy because if you are so fixated on trying to figure out where, where that line is, you're not even trying to just right. stay close to I mean, you are, but you're not. You know, you're you're trying to do what's right by God, which is great. But you know, instead of trying to truly get to the heart of what He's trying to do and trying to do in your life, we're trying to figure out how much we can get away with.
0: Oh yeah, you know, and Th- like, that's a hundred percent why most students want to find the line is because they want to know how far can I take this without feeling the regret and the guilt afterwards, well,
1: which and, isn't how it works. And let's come for full circle. That's why purity culture exists. Yep. They say if there's no line, they can't, they can't cross it. So all sex is bad. It's, 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 it's all like, yeah, just, like you can't do it. It's, ha, it's, find it's, that line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, and it, <laughs> It sounds silly, but that that really is what it is, and it's it, it's a problem. And so, okay, now that now that we've adequately painted the problem in more ways, now than that one, we
0: just totally destroyed <laughs> purity culture and the church, yeah, how how, that's how, true. how do we do
1: it? Like, like how <laughs> how do you address this in a constructive, good? Man, are there are a few good principles here. Four but- of
0: them with four yeah. easy payments of 19.99. Yeah, yeah we- but wait, there's more. Is there? No. Well, we should have a fifth <laughs> one just just because of that. If you follow these four points, you'll get a fifth one for free. <laughs> uh, let's try it. <laughs> step number 1. Uh first easy payment of 19.99. Speak with confidence and authority. Okay? That's a good one.
1: Be raw and be real. Um don't get up there if you've struggled in your past with purity. Don't tiptoe around it don't just say hey guys I used to do this and I used to do this so it's fine but like be raw and be real talk about the good parts of sex if you're married if you're not married talk about the struggles that maybe you've you've been through or that type of thing but on another on another note of being confident and authoritative, Authoritative, not authoritative.
0: Authoritative, authoritative. Good friend, uh, what's this? Noah Webster would be very disappointed with your. It's been a while since he's made an
1: appearance, so I'm glad we got him back on today. (laughs) I find so many youth pastors are scared to speak what God's Word says because of this purity culture thing. We're scared to say sexual sin is sexual sin. We're scared to say. These things are sinful because we don't want to guilt or shame anybody, which is normal and fine.
0: Well, it's also difficult sometimes if if you as a youth pastor know that you have a student that either A, is sexually active, or B, is homosexual. Yep. Uh, it can be really difficult to address a topic like this. Yeah. Uh, I, I joke sometimes with my youth leaders that, you know, sometimes I will write a sermon that, and, and like the entire time I'm writing the sermon, I have one student in mind. And then the whole time I'm preaching, I'm looking right at them. I don't actually do that, but it happens like when you're thinking of specific
1: students, but
0: right. Or like there was, there was one time that I was, I was preaching a message and, uh, I, it didn't cross my mind at all. Uh, and there was a, there was a line that I said during my message. And I remember saying it, it wasn't something I planned to say, like the Holy spirit was just like, Hey, in the moment, yep. say this. And I was like, okay. And afterwards I I got off the stage and my first thought was, oh my gosh, that was a hundred percent directly at that one student. Oh boy. And, and it was, it was kind of like a. Like, like gives you goosebumps uh-huh. a little bit like, Oh uh-huh. shoot. Like that's, ah, uh. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> but it's, it can be difficult if, if you, depending on your context, it, it can be really, really uncomfortable even for you as a youth pastor. And so that's why being authentic, uh, which Derek, I, I gotta say, uh, you, you kind of took your first and I second know. easy it, payments and it, mushed it, them together. I know. I,
1: I just that was one that.
0: difficult payment of 39 it, it, or 39.98. Uh, <laughs> it was worth it. It's a disc set. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, uh, you you received a a free uh, company pen. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, with that or one a stuffed animal with their logo Aww. on it. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably won it at a carnival and then just threw their logo on it yeah. and shipped it to you. Sounds about right. Um, so speak with confidence and authority. Easy payment number one. Yep. Uh, be authentic. Easy payment number two. Uh, and we kind of touched on this a little bit already, but we're going to hammer it home because it's important. Easy payment number three, uh, get leaders, you know, fellow pastors and parents involved. Uh, you know, we talked about maybe sending an email on the front end, letting parents know this is something that we're going to be talking about. If you really want to go the extra mile, that email could also contain some, uh, helpful tips and tools and resources for your parents to have a conversation with their student both on yep. the front end and the back end of yep. your message and and whatever however you plan to address it uh you know you can have some some follow up for parents uh for us we have we call them connect groups small groups cell groups i've heard a whole bunch of different things yeah. but if you have those on uh, on your like on the tail end of your message send the questions that you send to your leaders to your parents and they can be asking their kids those same questions at home. Uh, you know, if you can help build that relationship between parent and student, especially on a conversation that can be really awkward, uh, that's, that's always a win. And, and, you know, letting your senior pastor know as well, just like, Hey, heads up, this is going to be happening. Uh, that can be really helpful, uh, as well. Just, just to keep them in the loop, uh, in, in what you're doing. Uh, I always like to let our senior pastor know if there's ever a possibility he's going to get a really angry email Thursday morning. Yep. Um, usually doesn't happen, but you know, it's, it's nice that he's in the know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well you you talked about um what wait there's more i just added a point because you did so we do now have a buy four get one free yeah, but deal. so the original four is gonna become the
1: bonus extra because we'll end with that one but i, I want to talk about this one because this is really yeah the, that's
0: fair i th- agree with th- this th- this
1: is in the group of parents pastors and parent or leaders pastors parents this is not a fun thing to talk about but it's something you as a youth pastor need to keep your eye out There is a chance that someone in your youth ministry is being sexually abused by parents or family members at home. And if they come to you at a youth group and tell you this, you need to report it. You need to go to the authorities. You need to do this. And let me tell you something, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be enjoyable. There's a chance it blows up and it gets really messy really fast. But your job as a youth pastor is to keep your students safe and so especially as we start addressing things like this in our youth ministry if a student is being sexually abused there is a chance the emotion of this moment bubbles up and bubbles over and so you need to train your leaders you need to be well versed yourself of to where you go what you do this is not just a praying for them and asking for, for or, or not just praying for them and and trying to help them heal this is a you need to get them out of that situation now.
0: Yeah. I have a 23 page manual that I give any adult that is stepping onto our leadership team with our youth ministry and mandatory reporting is one of the things that I talk about in here. And yep. and I'll read out this, this line I took directly from, I think it was some government website that, sure. you know, kind of had some of this stuff up. Uh, but what I, what it says is, you know, it as a leader in our ministry, it is your responsibility to report any known or suspected instances of child abuse or neglect, or any intentions of students to harm themselves or others. Yeah, like that. That line is word for word from whatever government website I took that from. And How, love, how's that for citing sources? I, I like that a lot. Um,
1: and I like "suspected" in there,
0: right? And you know? and what I tell our leaders is, it is you know, it is not your job. To follow up on these things, right? That's, that's the... You're not driving
1: to the student's house and confronting the parents or anything. No,
0: that sounds like a bad idea. Uh Um, You know, that's, that's part of that 5% of my job that sucks, you know, but that's, that's part of my job. Right. Uh, You know, I'm the one that follows up on this stuff. Uh, It's also, I also tell our leaders, like it is, the burden doesn't have to fall on you to try to figure out again, where that line is. Yeah. Uh, if you feel like a student tells you something and, you know, maybe this is something, maybe it's not, feel free to tell me and I'll make that decision yeah. on whether this is something that we need to act on now yep. or this is something that we need to, you know, monitor yep. maybe. But, you know, I tell our leaders, it is your job. Your main responsibility is to be there for that student. Yep. Uh, let me be the bad guy let me be the one that follows up with authorities or anybody else that we need to get involved. And if that student just needs somebody to sit next to them and not talk, (laughs) you know, if they need somebody to talk to, if they need a shoulder to cry on, like that is your responsibility. That is how you can best tell. Let me be the one to deal with all the junk and you just be there for that student. Yeah. It's, it's super good. And It's not fun to talk about, but it needs
1: to be addressed. And you know, we pray that it never happens. But it's good to be prepared if it does. And so, yeah, that's that's your number number four. But Kyle,
0: the last one, the bonus, the, the,
1: the true true value of your. Four disc bundle with the extra. <laughs> if
0: you if you do pay those four easy payments of 1999, uh-huh. the the fifth one is free. Do you, and- know, what's, do you know
1: what's depressing? When, when we were watching TV back in the day, it was 1999. Now it's like 39.95 because of inflation. Yeah, like, that's like, true. Th- These
0: installments are are going up. <laughs> um, the, honestly, the only infomercial that matters anymore is uh, Flex Seal. Flex seal. Uh, flex, seal <laughs> flex tape. Um, yeah. I sawed this boat in half uh-huh. and repaired it with flex tape. I love,
1: I love when they have like the big jug of water. That's just like oozing water and they just take the just tape. Slow and slow motion, boom. slap it on uh-huh. there and
0: it stops the leak immediately. Yep. Listen, if I could have one job, can I bring that guy in to preach? Do you know, realize how many sermon illustrations we could get out of flex tape? I- I would just have him slap that tape over your mouth and then just be like an emphatic. It'd be a really one sided podcast. Yeah. Um, anyways. You, you, uh, you did tell Nate and
1: Sarah you try to keep me talking as little as possible on this podcast. That's
0: true. I did. Uh I was hoping you wouldn't remember that. Of course I did. Dang it. Uh <laughs> the uh fifth bonus point on how to properly address sex in your youth ministry, sponsored by Flex Tape. <laughs> good uh good friend of the show. <laughs> Great friend of the show, Flex Dave. Uh, can you look up the name of the guy that does the... Sure. There's somebody listening to this podcast that just yelled out in their car, that knows get it. to the point. It's probably uh, our wives. like, come on. It's probably our wives. Uh, when you talk about sex and purity culture and all this stuff in your youth ministry... Make sure to include healing and forgiveness. All right, This is one of my most passionate things about purity culture is that it is so shame oriented. and and there are students that grow up in a purity culture where you know they they mess up. Uh, you know, they held their boyfriend's hand and they feel awful about it now. Uh, that's mm, just yeah. become our that's uh, that's just what it's gonna be now yep uh and and basically they feel so shamed that they buy into the lie I'm I'm so broken that I might as well just you know give up I might as well just do it and yeah. I I had a conversation not that long ago with a former student that that was her mentality wow. and, and it was like, it kind of sucked yeah. to, to hear that. And, you know, she, she's in a different place now. She absolutely knows that's a lie from the devil, Yep, but that doesn't change in the moment how, how she felt about it. And that's where I, th- I think it can be really, really damaging for, you know, both guys and girls, but predominantly it's girls that get so shamed into purity culture yep. that if you mess up, you might as well just forget about the whole thing.
1: Well, and even it feels sometimes as if you do, your life's never going to be the same. And, you know, there, there there are some things when we make sin is sin. There's a reason God isn't just trying to lord over us, but sin gets messy. Sin comes with natural consequences. So if we can avoid that, we should, but... I feel like it's our job as the church to help people heal and know that God's purpose and love for them is the same regardless of what they've done sexually. And I think that is where purity culture really, really makes a difference and makes a dent because purity culture will say, you screwed up your life. It's over, you know, and that's just not fair. And that's, quite bluntly, not biblical in the slightest. <laughs> no. You know, you look at David. I, I, I love, when it comes to this area of
0: sin, I love looking at the life of David because he done screwed up bad. Yeah, David's, uh, you know, Paul has the line where where he describes himself as the worst of sinners. Yeah. David might give him a run for his money. He, You know, sleeping with another man's wife,
1: getting her pregnant... And then killing the husband is not a good, it's not a good look. No, but what I love about this is he still goes down in the word as being a man after God's own heart. God still uses him in a powerful way. And on this whole redemption thing, I shared this in, in our, in our church a few weeks ago. So David messed up with Bathsheba, got her pregnant. That son died. They then had they got married after that, did things right, they had a kid, and their kid was you remember? What? Do you remember who, who their who what the name of their kid was? Kid That's not
0: Absalom, is it? No, it's no. Solomon. Oh yeah. A a wise man. Just for the record, Absalom was
1: a son of David, right? I believe so. Okay. I believe so. We're we youth pastors, we don't need to know the word that much. I'm just kidding. That sounds super sacrilegious. Um but I love that because I think that truly is a mark of God's faithfulness of like, yeah, if you mess up, there's some things you're going to have to walk through just naturally. But you know what? God still loves you. God still cares for you. God still desires to do some amazing things in and through your life. And there's not this big asterisk right next to your name now. Like as we talked about before, sin is sin. Sin. Uh, if you lust after somebody, if you sleep with somebody, if you uh, get drunk, if you lie and deceive somebody, guess what? It's sin. And sin is sin. And we have a God who has paid the price, has took it upon his shoulders and dealt with it. And so instead of living in this perpetual shame and condemnation, just like going back to your analogy, seek him, you know, like go back and, and find um getting back to the Lord and just letting him just heal those wounds and heal those things because you are purpose and you are intentional and there's a lot of good stuff. You look very, you're looking up Absalom, aren't you?
0: I am. Yes. Uh, Absalom was a son of David, uh, his third son, but, uh, not, uh, not, uh, Bathsheba's. Oh, I see. Uh, I believe that,
1: uh, that's a whole other thing we could talk about is why men had multiple wives.
0: That is true. In the Bible.
1: It's interesting. Um,
0: Wife of David. Yeah. Another wife of David. Um, Apparently Absalom was David's favorite son. (laughs) Probably before he tried to kill David, I have to imagine. Probably. Uh, After after you try to kill your father, you probably are no longer your father's favorite kid. I would think. Uh, I don't have any experience in that era or realm, but there are moments where I think my kids are in, Trying to kill you? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe less like they're coming at you with a sword and yeah. more so like they're just Crying trying incessantly. to- incessantly. Yeah. Just yeah. kill your will to live. By
1: the way, since we want to end this on a good note, I got I got some information for you.
0: I bring it on. Is this a Bill about- Swift yeah. is the
1: infomercial guy for Flex Tape or Flex C, whatever it is. And he must do pretty well because he just bought a Gulfstream home in Florida for a small ticket of- $20 million. Good for you, Phil. Yeah. Phil, I, I was kind of hoping his home would be built in flex seal. Oh,
0: that would have been awesome.
1: Cause his house would be indestructible in yeah, that case. But that is true. It wasn't, it was really nice for $20 million. Probably should be.
0: Do you know how much flex tape you could buy for $20 million? A lot. That's a lot. A lot. Uh, that pretty much does it for uh for our anti-purity culture episode here, but, yeah, uh, anti-purity uh, culture and pro-flex pro-flex seal, pro-flex pro tape, pro all of, just all the flexes. Yep, um, <laughs> we uh, we flex here at how not to be a youth pastor. Thank you guys for listening uh, on behalf of Derek. I think it's about time that we go uh, saw a boat in half and repair it with flex seal. Goodbye. Goodbye.